kiddos, and welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures and real-life dads with real feelings. And this episode is one of those latter kind today. Um, I am joined by senior reporter at Waypoint and co-host of the uh, Till Death Do Us Part podcast, which he hosts with his wife. Uh, today, I am joined by Patrick Klepek. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hello. I realized I've never said your name aloud. So um, I, I before we started recording, I said to myself... I could step in. I could tell them how to say my name, but I'm just going to let it roll. I'm going to see where it goes. And you nailed it. Fantastic. Um, I have one of those names as well that people always ask. Um, It's Copas, but people are like, is it Copas? Is it like, and the the truth is that no one really knows. (laughs) So uh, it's a badly anglicized Hungarian name. Um, I think the worst, uh, the worst butchering that's ever happened to my name was some telemarketer called and said, hello, uh, Mr. Kaupek, uh, are you there? And I was like, you know, I, there's a lot of ways you could have gone with my name. I, I get it. It's, 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 it can be a little confusing at first blush, but there's no, oh, like, Mr. I don't know where the cow Kaupek. came from, but I, I, I admire your audacity to find a new way to interpret it. And I'm actually, com- actually, I'm going to take it as a compliment that you went that far out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's you know have some fun with it. Um, really just just do some free free form jazz. Um, with the <laughs> name pronunciation. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you are you're here today because well, first of all, I think you're um a really uh interesting person. You you've you know you've been writing about games and other things for a long time. Um, you you do incredible podcast work. Um, and you're a dad. True. All true things. Yeah. How long have you been a dad? Oh, so I'm at the the, the spot where I I constantly forget what month I'm at with my kids. So I just say (laughs) a year and a half and or she's almost two because then otherwise I have to sit and do the basic math of that. And I've just sort of lost. And I feel better now because my wife has also lost the plot on it. She's just (laughs) like she's so much more careful and detailed about that stuff. Um, that if she is suddenly going, oh, she's almost two. I'm like, okay, I'm cool. It's not like I'm forgetting the anniversary <laughs> or anything like that. It's like, she doesn't remember the math on it anymore. I'm good. But yeah, uh, my, my daughter turns, uh, two in August. So, uh, hitting the home stretch on, on, on year, uh, a year two of this. Oh, that's great. And I mean, you know, kids don't remember either. They don't know how no. old they are really. So until <laughs> you, uh, until you actually get into that point, it's like not that big a deal. It, well, it's weird because now they're going to be able to, re- well, collectively, you'll be able to remember so much more because, you know, people took photos and videos at, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we were growing up. But it's just a different world now where not only is that, not only is it so much easier to, to document everything, but just accessing it is even easier. Like, it'll, you know, you can just say, pull up, you know, photos from August 2016, which is, that's a lot different than, oh, I guess I'll go into the attic and see if those Polaroids are somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, that's something that I'm always curious about um, when people are having kids, um, you know, in the last few years or so. Um, I know a lot of people who are, you know, maybe in their late 20s, their 30s, and they're they're starting to, to have kids. And they all have to navigate that question of, A, how, how much do we document? What do we document? How do we, um, how do we store that stuff? And then B, what kind of, how are we going to talk about it? on social media. Um, and I've heard all kinds of ways of navigating that from basically zero, like zero content <laughs> online to pictures, but no, uh, no names like, right. uh, pseudonyms. Um, 
to, yeah, just like to just baby presence uh, on Instagram. So how have you kind of threaded <laughs> that needle? So, yeah, that's that that was one of the, the questions I would ask a lot of uh, other parents in my life that find themselves in sort of the unique position of being sort of a, you know, a, a, a pseudo public figure, uh, someone that is yeah. following online in which like part of the the popularity of my work is in some level, my work is in some level, like what you share about yourself. Like it's all mm -hmm. intertwined in, re in really weird ways. And, uh, you know, I first navigated that with my wife who met me long before I gained mm. any sort of uh, notoriety for better or worse on the internet. Um, and so at least we grew into that like together and found ways to navigate that and learn about, how we don't do or don't use location services like yeah. with my wife. It was like, if you want to take a photo and you want to tag it somewhere, you have to do it after we've left the place because <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's just, you know, one of those things. And so I, I started kind of wrapping my head around that a little bit um, with, with the relationship with my wife. Uh, but with my kid, it was, I, I had so many more complicated feelings because my wife has agency, right? Like she chose mm. to be involved yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. with me, my, my child, did not choose to be brought into, into this world and um, has no understanding of the, you know, the fact that I have, you know, whatever followers on Twitter and Instagram and whatever other social network I'm, uh, I'm brought into. And um, so there this is always such a weird minefield because I feel like I feel like even expressing where I fall on this is like one of those things where. When you start expressing how you feel about parenting, you're in some ways <laughs> saying other people are doing it wrong. So, like, I, I always want to make it clear, like, this is just where I fell on this and I see mm -hmm. other people that do it completely differently. But I always get so nervous about explaining this part of it because I, I, I think I've posted maybe one or two, maybe three photos of my daughter. And I think they've all been on Instagram because I have a much smaller, mm -hmm. more controlled following there. Right. And even then I've stopped doing that because... I just fell on the side of as much as I am proud and want to share my daughter with the world and, and her accomplishments and the fact that she's a huge part of my life and is changing so much about, you know, how I think and feel. Uh, she has no say in that. She has no understanding of that. And not even and even, you know, building on top of that. Uh, aside from her lack of agency in the process, uh, it's the fact that uh, as someone that, you know, speaks about. Uh, various social issues, uh, which is a huge part of, of Waypoint. And a lot of what we talk about there is talking about politics and, and things like that. Uh, there are corners of the internet who are always looking for some sort of wedge to sort of use against you. And so, like, I don't need to give yeah. them my daughter as another thing that they can use to try and get under my skin. Um, so I pretty much kept it to, like, one Orwellian social network, which is Facebook. Um <laughs> Largely, I said, I, you know, I have friends that, you know, especially given the stuff that's happened recently, like folks that have come down on that. But um, it's my there's it's basically Facebook has turned into rather than a discussion platform or a way to connect with friends. It's just a a place where I just vacuum up photos of my daughter. So family and friends <laughs> that don't see her very often. Like I know that I could send it to them privately, but I just know I'm not going to do that. So I've just yeah. made my peace with. Facebook being the thing that I can, it's very controlled. It's only people I have met. I've whittled that down over and over, mm -hmm. over the years. I have a policy where, um, like, how do you figure out how to get rid of like Facebook friends? Like, cause if you have hundreds and hundreds, like do you just look at the full list. Nah, you wait for their birthday. And if you can't even muster up the courage or the Ooh. energy to give them a, a, a boring, happy birthday, insert X, well then maybe you're, maybe you shouldn't be friends on Facebook. So that's how I <laughs> whittle down my list. So I guess that's a, a long way of saying that I I, uh, 
I don't share share very much about her. She definitely informs my writing. Like I, I can't talk about games without mm. being explicit that she is a part of that thought process and that, that evolution of how I look at games um, and all other sites of media and politics. But uh, I'm very careful, especially when it comes to imagery. Um, uh, and uh, I think I guess one like sort of neat a conclusion to that uh, that whole I- idea is that. Uh, I didn't announce that we were expecting a child. Uh, I I did put out sort of a hey, you know, you know, mother and daughter are fine. Uh, you know, hello, Jessica, to the world because there was there was no way that I was going to be able to hide that I was a father, and so I yeah. felt like that was a moment where kind of like getting it out in the open and letting people know this thing had happened and everyone was okay. Um, but it was kind of interesting to like sit on a secret for that long, given how open I was being in in it with the rest of my life, but. Mm, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, a long-winded version of of where I've fallen all that stuff. Yeah, well, so let's talk about games for a bit, because the game that's on everyone's lips this season <laughs> is about dads. It's, yeah. it's God of War, and he, God of War has a son now, and he's a dad. And he says boy a lot, as I understand it. Um, <laughs> I'll Full disclosure, I have not played this AAA video game, which retails for approximately 70 dollars <laughs> uh i will at some point i think we're gonna do a full episode on that one just because it's such a a big thing the seo is so great on it right now but um but yeah have you did you did you write about that i did yeah i uh, reviewed it for uh waypoint uh, a couple of weeks back you know, part of my interest in it was uh sort of to examine my own like sort of feelings on that series as someone that was a a, a, a you know sort of unabashed a fan of those original games mm-hmm. without sort of realizing sort of i i didn't think of games in terms of like misogyny and politics and sexual violence like those are the things i didn't think about when i was like young in my 20s and mm-hmm. just playing games because it was cool to watch a dude just brutalize people and watch <laughs> huge dragons um and as i you know grew older and and you know learned and did a lot of introspection and kind of just growing the sort of things you a lot of people i think do uh, in their twenties. Um, and you know, one of the, the nice parts about the internet and social media was sort of like fast exposure to those sorts of voices if you don't have them in your real life. And so my interest in playing God of War was sort of like both an examination of like sort of the state of video games, what they're trying to say or not say about those things. And then also sort of a reexamination of my own personal politics at a moment when I I've, you know, I'm in my early thirties and now I've been a dad for almost uh, two years and where th- all that kind of falls into this, you know, broader datification of games that is happening as uh, largely like white straight men are getting older, realizing they're going to die, <laughs> having kids and then deciding they need to tell stories about that um, mm-hmm. and getting a lot of stories uh, like that, as as we've seen between Last of Us and God of War and a, and a number of others. Um, and yeah, it, we did uh, a, a, a sort of spoiler chat between Austin Walker and myself, who is my uh, editor in chief over at Waypoint, um, in which we talked a lot uh, about the game from the perspective of. For for Austin, the, from the perspective of being a son uh, of a father who he had a complicated relationship with, and me as a father, um, sort of looking at the game through the lens uh, of that. And one of the, the things that came up was this question of like, well, how are so many men like resonating with this violent monster uh, that is Kratos? Like that doesn't seem like something where you look at and go, yeah, I can really see myself in this relationship <laughs> that he's having uh, with his his son. And for for me, like one of the things that I mentioned in that conversation, one of the, the the through line I found in God of War had 
extraordinarily little to do with uh, Kratos and his violent past as much as part of the arc of the game and part of what I would criticize about the game in, in that there's a, a lack of them really exploring this is about like Kratos's uh, inability to be uh, emotional or vulnerable. And uh, my father was none of those things. He was a wonderful mm. person. He, he loved me dearly, but um, I think he never expressed those things or the way mm -hmm. he expressed them was never verbal. Like it was always inferred. It was always as the result of actions. I mean, even when he was yelling about me for something, like if you were to ask my mom what he really meant, he's like, oh, well, that's just your father's way of say, saying he loves you. Um, and I, I knew that. And I had a great relationship with my father that got better as uh, he got older. He passed away uh, five years ago uh, to an uh, unexpected uh, heart attack. Um, and I never got to have that sort of moment that I you see in the movies or even that my friends have, have had where as you get older and you talk to your parents and you just kind of some relationship, at least with some parents, you get a chance to become more vulnerable, have the conversations you've always wanted to have with your parents. Mm -hmm. And I never got to have that moment with my father. And part of what I saw in God of War was uh, and what it kind of attracted me to, to the story uh, was watching someone grapple with that and 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 not really uh find a way of expressing that and me wanting to very much in my relationship with my daughter uh make it clear that like that will never be like she if i'm to unexpectedly <laughs> pass away of a heart attack at a young age like she won't look back and go gosh i wish we had had that conversation yeah um, and so that's a lot of what i've like i think about both of my parenting it's what i thought about when i was playing god of war where it's like watching their relationship develop and, and, and the ways that Kratos uh, tried to express himself, even, you know, for him, it's finding <laughs> the emotional vulnerability to put his hand on his son's shoulder, which is not, <laughs> not, you know, again, we're talking, we're starting at like a really low baseline, but I think there is, um, and I've talked to a lot of uh, friends, you know, people that don't play games about this. Like that is a through line through a lot of, I think uh, I can only speak from, you know, uh, a, a men's a male's perspective to mm -hmm. his male father. But I think there's a lot of men of my age, of my generation that didn't really have that kind of vulnerable sure. relationship with their, they often had it with maybe their mother, but not their father, or maybe mm -hmm. it was an instance where it was flipped. And that's always something I did want and thought I'd always get and didn't. And so for the part of the, the great appeal for me in, in God of War was kind of running that over in my mind as I think about how I handle those sorts of that kind of relationship to, that I would like, you know, like to have with my daughter as she uh, grows up and is able to appreciate or understand those sorts of things. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I mean, um, I've heard that from a lot of people and um, also like the effects that media like that has on them um, is just really intense. Like when uh, there is like a, a, an actual father or even like a father figure who is um, understanding or like is able to have like frank conversations about serious things um, for, I think people who have, have sort of had that kind of life um, life experience or situation, that stuff can be like really impactful. And so like, I, I wonder sort of whether a lot of the, the, um, the developers uh, making these kinds of games at this point are sort of in the same boat. Yeah, I, I can, I can only, you know, I can't speak from having, uh, uh, you know, like reported on that or know what the, like their what their intention was. But uh, if it's anything like the conversations I've had with the people in my life, like I have to imagine that that is I mean, I think there has been, you know, one of the 
the uh, great benefits of, I think, like a rising social awareness of things like toxic masculinity and like emotional vulnerability is like actually finding the language to talk about those things. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think you are seeing sort of a, you know, I, I don't know if it's a, a whole generational thing, but I think there are groups of men that are realizing like what a problem that was, what things they missed out on um, between uh, you know, and being able to talk to or not talk to their parents and finding ways to express that. And I don't think that's, uh, you know, shocking that we've seen that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's both a datification of games that has happened in the games that are made and a datification of games in, in the criticism around games. <laughs> um, and while all that stuff is good, it's also like overwhelmingly tilted in, <laughs> in one direction, which is a, sure. you know, it's a problem in God of War where there's, you know, a lack of uh, voice for, for many of the, the, the women characters that are, that are referenced, even Kratos's mother, who is the, the plot driver of that game does not huh. get a single chance to speak uh, at all in the game. Um, they try and justify it for X, Y, and Z, but I don't, I don't think it particularly works. And I think it often reflects uh, the fact that these are games made by fathers that probably have complicated relationships with their own fathers. And mm-hmm. in working that out, it's probably not shocking that that ends up tilting towards conversations and stories that uh, dominate a male perspective or a, or a male's uh, feelings and a, a father's feelings on, on all those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, definitely God of War is sort of the latest in um, a, a recent trend of, of prestige, big, big games that have been dealing with these things. I mean, um, over a year ago I had uh, Simona Rochefort on and we talked about uh, the last of us. We talked about uh, some of David Cage's work um, which is a little bit fraught, but definitely, <laughs> definitely some yes. of his earlier works do focus on fatherhood. Um, even things like Fallout, you know, even a Fallout Three, which is God, please don't say it's a decade old. Um, <laughs> I won't. I won't say it. Let me no look it up. It. it is, isn't it? Does it yes, it's almost exactly a decade old. I was just about, in my head. I was like, I'm thinking, mm, yeah, I that came out when I moved to San Francisco. I think that was 2008. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but even that game, you know, your Liam Neeson dad is sort of right. the driver of the plot. Right. Um, so this is something that has been going on for a minute. Um, and it's interesting to me to see games getting to this point, which is um, a place where something like literary fiction has been for kind of a long time because obviously there's a much longer history there of, of people writing and then getting older and then reflecting on those kinds of relationships. Yeah. And there's just not, that's just games are so young in terms of being a medium that we just haven't seen a whole lot of. And also games as a game development as a culture tends to drive out anyone past, you know, their mid thirties where they, they burn out, they don't want to make games Mm -hmm. anymore. And when they actually think about doing the things like having a family, um, owning a house, you know, doing some, you know, any sort of those things like game development often pushes those sorts of people out. So I'm not surprised that it's taken this long for even like, video games to catch up to the, the very basic idea of like, huh, what's it like to be a parent? People uh, have families. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, like we're not, there's nothing revelatory. We're not, there's not like something foundationally interesting that the games decided they want to talk about <laughs> parenting, whether from a, uh, a mother's or a father's perspective, but it says a lot about sort of like the emotional stunting of of games as a storytelling medium, and then also just the to- the just inherent toxicity in making games that it has taken this long. Like I don't think it's just just that it's taken this long for games to find out modes of expression or the vocabulary. Like I don't I think maybe that's part of it, but it is certainly like a small fraction of the story relative to just um, 
Uh, you know, probably a lot of the games that folks grew up on, and then the fact that it drives a lot of people out by the time they reach sort of an emotional maturity that they would think about, oh, I wonder if there's a story past demons, or maybe it's about a demon <laughs> father, I don't know. Like, the next Doom game is definitely going to be about a, a demon dad, I'm, oh I'm sure. Oh my god, that's, you know, that's one of the classic game, archetypes. <laughs> yeah, we all would. That's like, you know, we talk about the art, the, the sort of, the, the types of stories and demons, it's really... Most of them, um, it's demons. That's uh, it's just the the whole narrative um, structure. Um, Demon dads, though, yeah, that is it's a whole new world. It is. It is. Why isn't anyone done? That seems like right. <laughs> well, if you think about like a Dracula, he's kind of a demon. That's true. And That's he's true. a dad. Torture. And uh, that whole game is about killing your dad. So, um. We did an episode on that quite a while ago, and that, that was the whole thing, is uh, your dad is a fucking asshole, um, named you himself backwards, so. Yeah, that's, a, that's its own fucked up situation, to be yeah, sure. Yeah, that's like a next level uh, junior kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the other thing that I'm often curious about with, with people who have become parents in the last few years is... Um, you know, there have always been parenting manuals and, and classes and things. Well, not always, but for, you know, decades. But now there's there's like apps. There's um, like, you know, dad Facebook groups or parental Facebook groups. There's like all kinds of things like apps from like the minute of conception to like, you know, birth and then um, like past that even. And I'm curious, like, did you like read any of that stuff did you go to classes did you like like what kinds of stuff did you do to prepare because it's it's you know it's been like what like a little under two years for you so. right yeah um i i always uh phrase it this way that my uh my wife cares too much and i care too little and then we find somewhere in between um <laughs> in uh in which very natural from her perspective as the one doing all the hard work of sure. like, pre- preparing the child and birthing the child um but i, I and then we've uh, sort of settled somewhere it, it, you kind of get your sea legs after you know the first couple of months but I, I don't know i didn't i i i looked at the idea of like preparing to become a parent in the sense that in the same way that uh if you if something hurts on your body and you start doing too much research on the internet, you're gonna think you have cancer, <laughs> and you could, but I don't know. It just seems like well, okay, you shouldn't just wing it. You shouldn't just maybe this maybe this is a bad analogy. This is falling apart fast. But I guess what what I I decided that I we were smart enough to figure it out. If there were things that were like big questions that we thought could be concretely answered by like going and reading about it, um, that was worthwhile. Like the, you know, looking up uh, techniques to like deal with you know like very basic things like kids latching during breastfeeding like that seems like a thing the internet can help us with mm-hmm. um finding uh the best uh like a camera to put in her bedroom like that seems like a thing that the internet can help with but you can go down like such a nasty rabbit hole of like parenting techniques and what you should or shouldn't do and everything is contradictory and uh <laughs> what works for one parent doesn't work for the other and so I would honestly say as we've gone further along, we've gotten further and further from like doing anything more than just asking for general advice or just like you'd look at one thing and kind of, OK, maybe there's a takeaway there. But generally just kind of winging it, because I don't know that I've any time that we've tried to learn something by looking it up, unless it's like a something on a very factual basis, it just feels like a bunch of bullshit and hearsay and 
like you're you're far better served sort of like kind of trusting your gut and seeing how your your kid reacts to something rather than uh kind of taking that stuff as as gospel and often i found the conversations i have with other parents is far more useful than whatever is like the prepackaged stuff to you know go out to a a, a mass uh, audience. I mean, it was it was interesting to for like the first six months we had a book that you know t- tells you like here's how far your kid can see right like so like you know <laughs> like depth perception like here's you know like what kind of different cognitive functions uh, are coming online and that only lasted like six months until then it was just fun to be surprised when your your kid did something uh, new in the morning but yeah I don't know by by and large just kind of avoided that stuff um, uh, obviously you know I think we went to some classes to for like preparing for the the day of birth like to know like what to look for and when to call the hospital like stuff like that again like kind of fell in the realm of what i thought was like you know more like factual and like x's and and o's uh, as opposed to um more ephemeral uh sort of parental teaching um and that's kind of where we've landed right now yeah i mean i think there is such a thing as over preparing right especially in an area in which there are so many different conflicting opinions yeah, or or just uh, I don't know. I just uh, well, I, I, what works for your kid seems to not work. For, I mean, there are sort of like universal traits, but I've just I I've tried to go out of my way to like make sure I'm just kind of trying to listen to my kid and what makes makes sense for them as opposed to like worrying too. I, I feel like you can whip yourself. I have friends that have like whipped themselves into a frenzy over. Well, my kid isn't. You know, it's okay. It's it's 14 months in like they're supposed to be doing x y and z and like why aren't they doing x y and z and it's like i look up the goalposts i'm like okay if by this age they aren't doing something very obvious that's maybe something you should be concerned about like okay that's good to know but like i'm not going to spend like my days worrying too much because my one friend got their kid off the pacifier at a year and we're at a year and a half and she only uses it when she's in bed like that's fine okay like i'll worry about that as i go along um and that's yeah that's that's kind of where i've ended up on on stuff like that because yeah you really just can you can read as much as you want and at a certain point i decided to just kind of uh stop reading it entirely but like i said my wife still does like she's gotten much uh reads a lot less and 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 worries a lot less over that stuff as you go along but she consistently um is ahead of the curve on that so it all just filters down to me so i get the good stuff through her (laughs) once she's uh done the frontline research on how to start thinking about potty training and and things like that yeah well that seems like a good place to be (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and do you have like a lot of other parent friends that you chat with about that stuff? Uh, yes and no. Uh, we're oh, so like we're at a weird spot where um, so many of our friends from the Midwest. Uh, I, I grew up in the Chicagoland area, and uh, a lot of them left. You know, people. You know, a lot of us were like same friend circles. You know, same high school, college stuff like that, and then people kind of went off to do their jobs on like the West coast and East coast and other different places. And now that we've, people are starting to settle and start to have kids, uh, everyone's kind of other places. And Mm. I still have friends like in downtown Chicago, but, uh, the, the, the sub, the, um, the house we uh, bought a couple of years back in the suburbs, uh, we don't really know anyone around here. Mm. So we're starting like the big thing about parenting uh man it's hard to make friends like we oh my god so we had this great moment where we for like the first like year or so it was fine like the 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 like the having the house was new the kid was new and then after a year like 
you love your daughter, the house is fine, you're spending a lot of money on it, but, like, you need friends, like, you need, and I work from home, too, so it's, like, you need, like, some of that, those social cravings definitely come back, and what we realized was, like, I don't, we don't know how to make friends, so we, it's, like, we were, like, okay, so we were at, there was this one restaurant we would frequent, and if you have a kid with you, they tended to put you in a certain part of the restaurant, because it was just easier to have large tables with with families and stuff like that. So when sure. you go over there, you would see other families. And then occasionally, like, you know, your kid gets up and other kids get up and they start interacting with each other. And maybe you would hit it off with, like, one of the couples or, or one of the mothers or fathers. Uh, and we would think to her, like, we'd huddle back at the table and go, so, like, how do we get their number? Like, how does this work? <laughs> like, it feels <laughs> like, how do we become friends with, like, we overhear that they're going to a birthday party the next weekend. Like, how do I get invited to that birthday party <laughs> so I can meet yeah. other people? And yeah. we whiffed on this, uh, like, a handful of times. Um, and we just did, couldn't get the courage to do it. it. Just felt so, It felt like I was in a bar scene again, like, trying to to go like uh, uh, ask a girl for her number or something all over again. And like, <laughs> Oh, like this is hard and bad. Um, and so one time uh, this is about a year ago, uh, we really hit it off with um, this one woman that was there with a kid who was uh, maybe a couple months uh, younger than my daughter. And she was thinking about moving to the area and was asking us all these nice questions. And I remember sitting back down and looking at my wife and going, look, we are going to give this woman our number. We are going to tell her that she seems very nice and we'd like to hang out if she decides to move to the area. We're just going to do this. <laughs> and then she's like, all right, we'll go do that. And I was like, I can't do that because you're what running around with our daughter. If me, dad, goes over and then says, hey, here's my phone number. Want to hang out sometime? Your kid seems cool. That's a bad look. And she's oh, like, well, it's I'm not nervous great. too. And so I was like, well, let's go together. And then we'll both present our phone number. And so even if it's creepy and weird and she doesn't think this is like a way you should handle this, we've both, we've gone into this uh, together. And so we uh, uh, we wrote down our phone number, went up, and uh, as we, we paid our check, we're like, we'll just give it to her on our way out. So if this is a <laughs> nightmare, we could, just leave, we could just leave. We're good. And as we gave it to her, she goes, oh, my God, I was just about to do the same thing. I was debating giving my number to you, uh, you two as well. So it was a big relief. <laughs> She's become like one of our good friends in the area and our, our kids are friends. And it was uh, but it was wild because I just I never really like I've uh, like I've just never had to do that. Like I've always just had like very I've had the same friends groups uh, most of my life, you know, some new people coming in and out. Um, and I've been with my wife for like 12 years now. Like I just have like very sort of consistent things. And so then when we got isolated where we had to sort of start from scratch and you're, and you're, and you're doing so in these horrifying constraints because you know, you're working within, you know, your kid's nap time or if they're in a bad mood and you can't take them out past, you know, seven o'clock or, you know, it's going to be throw off sleeping and blah, 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 blah. It just really puts you in a box in terms of being able to strike up relationship with people. And even then, even when you want to, like, I just don't know what the the protocol, like, it's different when it's, like, yeah. you're romantically interested because here's my number. Let's go hang out again. Like, I understand that. Yeah, there's rules. A, there's rules for that. Yeah. And but when it's like, I just want to be a, a friend and our kids and maybe have a beer. So I don't. How does this work? Uh, <laughs> and so we're, we've been learning and our friends have kept telling us when your kid turns like the first two years are torturous because mm-hmm. you're so boxed in. But then 
after they're roughly two, they can start engaging in activities and like signing them up for things. Yeah. And then you will inevitably be around people that are also in the same nightmare situation as you and also <laughs> are desperate to make friends and you will find your way out of it. Yes. And then I imagine once they hit school age, and that's a whole bun- a whole mess of uh uh, free friends there because you're meeting exactly yeah you're meeting their uh their friends parents so something to hold out for I, well yeah so it's it's a bad situation right now but we're 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 on the final sprint to two years and then hopefully we'll understand what being social is like again but our daughter is like very good at going out and she's a very social person as well so actually um when we do get the opportunity to do things it's been uh she doesn't make it that hard. It's more mm. just uh, it's hard to find situations to just <laughs> to interact with other other people. Sure. <laughs> well, I hope that. Um, yeah, I hope that that changes soon and you are able to form a uh, great friend circle. of, of parents. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you. Uh, well, I, I think that maybe is a good place to close off. Um, has been really has been really great i mean unless there is there anything else that you want to touch on that is sort of like you've been waiting for someone to ask you about this experience of being a father that that no one has has uh inquired about yet i okay so i was thinking over this i was wondering if you were going to ask me this and i didn't have a good answer for this so i'm curious if you've heard answers that can help me fill out this question when people like no one's ever asked this but i've thought about this is like why did I want to be a father? Ooh. And I don't, and I don't have a great answer for that. Like I can give you a bunch of like, like I could spin some bullshit because that's what like I'm paid to do on a daily basis <laughs> as like a writer and critic. And, and so that's to fill dead air, but I can't, whatever. It's like one part biology, probably right. Like just like a, like an, an instinct to, to water procreate. And it's like social engineering because like you're surrounded by like photos of, uh, and like imagery of like being a like you know like the nuclear family is just like a thing you're supposed to do. Um, and I but I knew from like a very young age that I wanted to be a parent. Yeah. But I'm still wrestling with the articulation of why. Because like when I think about like well what's great about being a parent like oh like it's it's so cool to watch like the kid grow and develop and like you get to help mold and shape them hopefully into be like a person that goes out and. Is like an empathetic, interesting person that is like a ne- uh, bonus to the world. But like, I don't know. Like, those don't feel like satisfying <laughs> answers. And I'm curious if like over the course of doing this show, yeah. like what you've heard that kind of fills in people's articulation of that answer. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely heard from more people than I expected that they had wanted to be parents for a very long time, like since they were very young, which is um which I guess was maybe exposing my own biases, but I didn't really expect that. Um, And then in terms of like why, I think it is hard to articulate because, I mean, I think there's one thing of like, you know, if you had a difficult relationship with your parents or even just kind of an an unsatisfying one in terms of not having that kind of connection um, or, or, or even just having like a kind of casual disregard that, that isn't, you know, dramatically bad but it's just like could have been much better um Mm -hmm. i think some people the impulse there is to pull away from parenting and to to think i don't want to be i don't want to get into that but for a lot of people i think the impulse is to be like i am going to do much better than that um but then i guess just wanting to do better is sort of implies an existing urge to to have a child and 
I don't know. I mean, it's difficult. And it's so arrogant, right? Yeah. Like, why do you get to raise a kid? Like, what? Like, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to pass a test to drive a car, but like, you can just go have a kid. <laughs> and like, I hope I'm going to do a good job. Like, I hope that like I do fulfill those those things that I articulated before. But I've I still wrestle with that like question. Maybe that's something you like. It starts as something innate, and like yeah. a lot of other things, you learn to articulate it over time. Mm-hmm. Um. It, so that it doesn't seem like just like an inherently selfish act that you like you just wanted to like build a toy for 18 years but it's certainly not <laughs> it's certainly not uh how you know how what it makes me feel like every yeah. day and the and and the overwhelming joy uh that I that I get uh from raising my daughter and and watching as she slowly grows and matures but uh I don't know like I've like I've thought about like trying like just forcing myself to write an essay trying to articulate this if only just to like conclude I don't have a great answer because I just don't I just don't have a great answer to it. because like as like as we've like mentioned here like there are different ways you can kind of come at it like oh you know have a child that has a better relationship with their parent than I had with mine but like that doesn't seem like a particularly good reason to, <laughs> I mean that's a like kid. a that's like a once you've committed to doing it then you can be like I want to do this better you're filling in the blanks after the fact yeah. like, oh I had the kid now what can I what now how can I justify <laughs> what I've done um and those are all like sort of you know in different ways noble pursuits that sure. uh, uh uh you know come with being a responsible parent like you know trying to, to do the right thing but I don't know like yeah it was you know, something I knew, uh, definitely very young, not like teenage young, but like when I was old enough to like, probably the once I'd been in a relationship with my, uh, wife, then, you know, girlfriend long enough to think like, to start conceptualizing like, oh, what does this look like in 10 years? Like, yeah, like, I, I think I'd really like to like, raise a child with her. Um, but then now that we're in it, and I've like, tried to think back on sort of the, the who, what, where and why of it all. Like, I just find that fundamental question, like, really difficult to satisfyingly answer. And I don't know. Like, maybe I'm overthinking it, but also, like, I don't know. It's just a weird one. Because I think if you asked a lot of people, I think you get a lot of different answers that sound very much like filling in the blanks after you've already done the thing. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things that people have been doing for, well, (laughs) as long as there have been people. Um, And, uh, yeah, you know. There previously was a very good, uh, there previously were like very easy reasons, which was, this is just something that happens, um, or we need more farm labor. (laughs) Right. Um, Like, yeah, there were like economic, like practical reasons for like having, or like the fact that, you know, people didn't live very long, you know I mean? It's just like these days, like it's, it's like often it's, it's very much like an indulgence. Like it is, it is something you don't have to do, but lots of people choose to do. And I don't know, please, people get at me in my mentions. Why are you, why are you a dad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's start a con. Let's start the conversation, you know? Um, and that's what part of what I try to do on this show. Um, but sometimes we just don't get to those answers because they're, uh, they're complicated and everyone's kind of got their own. That's true. That's, that's true. I, yeah. I haven't, I've, I brought it up and I'm, no closer. I'm, I'm only <laughs> I'm more. I'm only more perplexed. I, yeah, I'm, I wish I, I could have enlightened you, but I, I am certainly no expert, despite the fact that I do a podcast on this. That's that's I. I feel that way writing about video games. So don't worry. <laughs> it's it's uh, all the same existential crisis. Yeah, yeah. We're all just sort of faking it till we make it. So. <laughs> uh, well, this has been such a pleasure to have you on. 
Um, and yeah, is there anything that you would like to plug coming up? I mean, uh, I think most people who listen to this show know about your work at Waypoint. Uh, they know about, maybe they don't know as much about the, the Till Death Do Us Part uh, podcast. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, that's a, uh, used to be uh, a bi-weekly turned into <laughs> once a year <laughs> podcast <laughs> after we had uh, our kid. Um, uh, a podcast that I do with my wife. We uh, uh, we originally bonded over when we met each other was the the completely awful um, uh, Puppet Master horror <laughs> films, um, which I go back and watch. Don't watch all of them necessarily, but like one and three are are pretty all right. Three is probably the best of the the whole series. Um, and it's just been the thing that we have like it's continued to be sort of like the rock of like our relationship in terms of like. A mutual interest in a thing mm-hmm. and uh i you know she saw me doing these podcasting things from afar and part i like about podcasting is it's a forced conversation um exactly, like there's a yeah there's there's theatrics to it there's it's it's getting you to articulate things that maybe you have in your head um and i like the idea of force because my wife and i have watched you know thousands of horror films at this point and you know the the totality of the conversation after most of them is like you know, that was pretty good or that was pretty bad and maybe like two or three minutes of like what we thought about it, but not like a real deep dive, like let's force ourselves to talk about it for an hour. And like that was something that I wanted to like, that sounded like a really exciting thing to to share uh, with my wife. And um, so, yeah, we started doing that about two years ago and we still record an episode every every once in a while when we uh, get the the chance. But I, I don't worry about it too much because it's something that we do basically for ourselves. and mm-hmm. then. The fact that some number of people get to enjoy it as well is just a, a little a little treat. So, yeah, that is uh, Till Death Do Us Part. Um, uh, I, we were going to do an episode about The Quiet Place, and that didn't happen. So, I don't know. <laughs> some, someday, someday there'll be another episode is the only promise I can give. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to you mention before we go? No, you can follow all my other work, you know, as you mentioned at the top over at uh, Waypoint. But that is, that is pretty much... Uh, uh, with the limited free time I have, like I wish I had more side projects, but unfortunately, Waypoint uh, is is about all I've got going. But fortunately, it's a pretty good thing. So it is. It's <laughs> great, and people should check it out if they haven't. Great. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you so much again, and uh, I will talk to you later. Thank you. Cool. Bye, kiddos. Dad Feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Dad Feelings is a part of Stay Me, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Say Me at dadfeelings.com support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album, Foiled Gear. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuy for letting us use it. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at dadfeelings and at staymeanco. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>